Welcome to episode 78 of They Think It's All Over. That's right, it's episode 78 of They Think It's All Over. Blimey, we are clocking up the episodes. I'm Adrian Football Chatalia, and who's joining me today? It's Mike at Footy Shirts. And it's Tom at Shirt Fan. How are we both? I'm all right. It's, well, I had a week off work and I'm about to go back to work and nobody likes that. But apart from that, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Nice to have the football back in full swing as well. I'm good, but I'm not enjoying having the football back again because Chelsea <laughs> are shit. Not really uh, works out, has it, Tom? No, it hasn't at all. It's almost like, despite the fact you pay £100 million for a midfielder that's only ever played in a top league for a year, suddenly makes him a genuine well-beater and not just potentially a well-beater. Yeah, real life isn't like football manager, is it? Can you amortise stuff over eight years on football manager? Let's see how it works out with Strasbourg and then come back to me. They lost 3-0 as well, actually, so don't come back to me. <laughs> you got to be happy there, Mike, haven't you? You're off to a winning start, aren't you, Villa? Yeah, well, obviously... No, I, winning start, sorry. I was going to say, winning, yeah, got, it, got up and running, I suppose, is the best way of putting it. Yeah, no, it, it was a good game. I mean, don't get me wrong, for as good as I believe Villa were in that game, Everton were three times shitter, but... <laughs> yeah no it was good it was good good to see Villa's new signings hitting the ground running that's the best part DRB is gonna be some player isn't he well I say that just edit that out in case he's not please no 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 he's a good player in a minute I saw um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin go off injured again and then yeah. Everton fans tweeting there's nothing wrong with him he just doesn't fancy it he's got a fractured cheekbone yeah yeah, it looked nasty. To be fair to him, it it, it looked it looked uncomfortable when it happened, and it looked even more uncomfortable after it had swollen up a little bit. But yeah, I saw a little bit of that on Twitter. Follow a few Everton fans on there, and a few of them were saying that it's just you know one of them horrible sort of like stereotypical fan base things that they immediately jump on a player and just give him shit when they didn't need to. Because yeah, a couple of them photos after looked pretty uncomfortable. I was going to say he can't get a break, but he literally did. And there was no Tyro Mings on the pitch to stamp on him either. I shouldn't laugh. Eh? He's injured, Tom. You can't laugh at him. He did stamp on... He's stamped on numerous players, isn't he? He's accidentally fallen, placed his feet where players are, I think, is the official. It's twice both accidental, definitely. I he's, think it's not... three times, isn't it? Didn't he do it three times? Zlatan. Did he see the Reading striker as well, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it's three times. Yeah, right? that, that one didn't look great, to be fair. But, you know, <laughs> hey, what can I say? He's turned over a new leaf and he hasn't stamped on anyone for a long time now. So, Well, I think Zlatan caught him a, taught him a lesson, didn't he? Oh, yeah. I, I do, I do have you seen the clip? That. that was the ultimate ultimate retribution, wasn't it? He uh, waited for the next corner and then absolutely laid one on him. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you're either a brave or a stupid man to start on Zlatan, aren't you, really? <laughs> Anyway, we've got a really important episode coming up because during this week's, we have spoken to Tom Fleming from The Big Step, which is part of the charity Gambling With Lives. Obviously, we've seen a lot of news lately around players um, that have been called into gambling. And we probably all know people um, in, our, in our personal work lives as well that perhaps suffered from the addiction. So it's a really, really important feature that's coming up that hopefully everybody stays around for and um, some important messages there to, to be discussed. But first, shall we get on to some new releases? Let's do it. Right, gents, we're coming to the end of new release season. You'll be pleased to know, or probably our listeners will be pleased to know, because it means we're not going to rattle off a load of football kits that they can't see and listen to us give three word answers. Uh, there's no, only two of you this week, so I'm going to give you five words, not that you ever stuck to the three. But Mike and Tom, you've got five words to describe your feelings about the following new releases. We will kick off with Juventus's third goalkeeper-inspired charcoal shirt. Decent, but not as good as the home or away. Very plain. It's one of those shirts, it's on the edge of plain or classy, and I'm going to say plain. 
I actually thought it looked quite good on the pitch against Udinese. That could just be because the Udinese kit looked so shockingly awful. Did anybody see that of all the sponsors that have been added to it? Yeah, I did shit. Yeah, the the big one. We did worry that there was going to be a second sponsor on that Udinese shirt, and it has not disappointed with how garish it is. Right, staying with third kits, we had a Wolverhampton Wanderers shirt as well from Castore. Yep. It's just very Castore. I don't like it. I find that garishly multicoloured shirt very offensive. Moving on, we've got Arsenal's third shirt, Mike. I can't think of the right words to describe it, but I do love it. I think it, the, the colour is amazing. I think this shirt has gone down phenomenally well when you consider it looks very similar to that Tottenham away shirt that we saw last week. Oh, you killed it. I love that. I think you might have... Well, you haven't killed it because I don't care about either club, but um, interesting point. Uh, next up, we've got Norwich's third shirt. Tom, I think I know what you're going to say, but let's go Mike first. It's shit and good at the same time. Uh, I don't like it. It's just, that's not my style of kit. I just, yeah, not for me. It's, again, over the top. Not as good as the Purple Turtle Redding shirt. Nah, fuck that off. Is what... It's way better than the Purple Turtle. <laughs> that is what it reminded me of, like, straight away. Isn't it, it's a throwback, isn't it, to one of their um, Mighty Away kits? It had the sleeve pattern from a white kit, I think, and they've just yeah. put it over. Is that right? It's like a sleeve shoulder design, purple with a white body from the early 90s, but Keep it on the sleeves and shoulders. Don't make it on the whole body. That's why the 90s shirt was good and that one's not. Well, I think it was well received by Norwich fans. Uh, let's go across to South America with the Giants' Boca Juniors releasing their new shirt, Mike. Decent, but that band's too big. Is the band too big or is the sponsor too small? Well, with the type of sponsor it is, the sponsor's definitely too big as well. It's a better sponsor, it, isn't it? That sponsor ruins it. It's horrible. It's hard to get a Boca Junior shirt wrong, really, isn't it? So it'd be interesting to see how that goes down as the season progresses. And then finally, last but not least, uh, because they beat Chelsea. So we have got West Ham's, but again, controversial sponsor on there. Shit sponsor, shit shirt, and it's still the best of the three they've had this season. Oh, I think that's all right. I quite like that. It reminds me a little bit of that buying away shirt, you know, the white with the gradient at the bottom, Mike, from 1920. Or it might have been a third shirt, but obviously this is blue. I just think it's quite smart. Is there any story behind the triangle-y pattern fading away at the bottom that anybody's seen? It's got, yeah, you'd think there's a reason behind that, wouldn't you? I really like the collar on that, actually. I think it's smart. I think that that promo photo is good as well. I think that sells it. Good lighting. I did see something about it and, and the bullshit influences behind it. I'll tell you what, I save it for another week because... I did have the idea of doing a quiz by reading you the descriptions and the reasons behind shirts, and you can guess what shirt they were. So uh, maybe I'll get that ready for next time, and we'll see if that one comes up. Okay, okay. That's like it that. for new releases. We really haven't got many new releases this week, gents. Thanks fuck for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it's slowing down as well, to be <laughs> fair. <laughs> we should probably talk about, I know we're not doing a full news article, but we probably should talk about the big news breaking on the Amazon documentary featuring Newcastle United that came out this week, shouldn't we? That'll be the Adidas one, yeah. It's. I, I know it was a, a leak, and I say that with inverted commas because I don't believe there are genuine leaks anymore. I think it's all deliberately let out, and I think this is... It's it's going to be a good link up. Don't get me wrong. I think it's going to throw out some really good kits. They got some good opportunities for some good retro throwbacks. But let's face it, it's going to be a year long fucking hype train now, isn't it? It is. It is going to be long, drawn out, fucking overhyped, and then they're going to drop a kit, and someone's going to fucking say it's shit, and it's not worth the wait. But it could throw out something good. Uh, yeah, I think it's exciting. I think, again, a Newcastle shirt should be an easy one to get right, you'd think, especially with the three stripes. I think it could look really, really smart. The, the one thing like I, said, I don't like about it is that it's come so early this year when, uh, you know, reception is still probably quite high for the current kits or, or not high, depending on your opinion. But I just I, I don't really like that overlap. I just think let these new ones sink in for better or for worse before we start looking ahead already you know 
it's like what we say about our collection. Sometimes you have to appreciate what you got before you go jump in into the next hunt. And I just don't like how it's kind of come out. So, and that's again, I feel like I'm always defending Castore. I'm not, but just I don't, I don't like it. There needed to be a bit more space. You're a Castore sympathizer. Mm. <laughs> I'm mm. not, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that links into the All or Nothing documentary, isn't it? Because then they they wanted to cover that in depth on one of the episodes, and that's getting aired at the moment. So I guess the the news had to break early, but yeah, it will be interesting to see if those Castore shirts have to hit the sales prices a little bit earlier with people sort of knowing they probably knew anyway but knowing that the brand's gonna gonna change be interesting to see i mean the castori shirts i've got a a little bit of a what's the word a reputation for going cheap quite early anyway so yeah could be some really cheap shirts for sale also right isn't there a little bit where like everybody's still obviously newcastle playing exciting football so people are sort of getting on, on board with them but you know, there's this old Saudi Arabia ownership issue. And I just think that they're going with Newcastle, evoking sort of thoughts of the 90s. It's got loads of neutrals like really hyped up over this Adidas link up that I'm sure some of those voices out there, you know, 10 days ago were still like, oh, Newcastle, Saudi Arabia is bad. It's like that episode of The Simpsons with Lisa and the Malibu Barbie. And she's like convincing everybody that the the Barbie doll's bad and, and nobody should buy it. And then all of a sudden they release a new one and everybody's like, yay, you just go and get it. And I just feel like this is this Adidas bit sort of like, it's, you know, just, just taking people's attention away from what's happening over there. Unfortunately, we're all complicit in the sports washing, aren't we? I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you, I, the shirts are going to be great, aren't they? <laughs> you, you, you both know I was, and again, it sounds ridiculous to say this, completely ignorant as a Chelsea fan. To, to the money being spent under Abramovich, and then of course for personal reasons that whole conflict hit home and I had a little thing where I was like I don't want any of these shirts anymore I don't want them and that's what I mean it's almost impossible to detach yourself from from this the underbelly horrid underbelly of football as a modern fan I think it's whether you're American owned or whatever you know we're all complicit in this this stuff and that's not to excuse it but you never know when it's going to be you and your club next. And not only that, you you can't hold it against the fan bases either. It's it, it's just shit situation. But at the end of the day, I mean, just looking at it from a Newcastle fan perspective, it's still their fucking club. It's still the club that most of them have supported for their whole life. And like, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you get some of them that have defended the things that have taken place because they're just morons, but every fan base has got morons. Mm. You know, I'm sure if a lot of them could have got that money from elsewhere, they would have had it from elsewhere. But hey, look, that's the fucking hand they've been dealt. So no, well said, Mike. Well said. Try and concentrate on the on the shirts and what happens on the pitch and we keep political views out of this. In fact, most weeks we have to edit out Mike's political views before <laughs> we're okay to air ed- them. That no, no, that is completely not true. But I will just add, fuck Newcastle because they smash filler anyway. So I take it all back. <laughs> right, so everybody's probably seen in the news over the last few weeks. Uh, betting in sport again has raised its raised its head as an agenda, particularly instances earlier in the year with Ivan Tony. We've seen instances with players like Sturridge before, and even in the last few days, we've seen a case involving Pakatau come under the headlines so this week i spoke with tom fleming from the big step so this week we are absolutely delighted to welcome tom fleming tom is one of the big players at the big step charity organization so the Big Step is a campaign. Uh, Big Step is a campaign to kick gambling ads out of football, which is part of the charity Gambling with Lives. So I I work for Gambling with Lives, um, as does James, who set up the Big Step. And the Big Step is yeah is one is one of our campaigns, uh, probably our most sort of prominent campaign. And something that you know, as football shirt lovers and football fans, you know, we're exposed to daily. Um, in terms of um, some some of the issues that you look at, and also recently, I guess people are selling it as there's been some wins in the campaign. You know, with shirt sponsors disappearing in. That's another another 
three or four years, isn't it, away. But, you know, people are looking at these sort of wins and moves that are going forward. But there's loads of issues. It's a much bigger issue. And we really just wanted to welcome you onto the podcast today just to tell us a bit about the charity, um, a bit about the campaign specifically, and also some of the great work that you're doing and ways people can get involved. Um, Do you want to start off, Tom, by just telling us how it all came about? Yeah, sure. So Gambling With Lives, the charity was was set up by Charles and Liz Ritchie, who they lost their son, Jack, to gambling-related suicide in, in 2017. So they set the charity Gambling With Lives up the following year. I think that really, that's, this is before my time working for the charity, but I, I think that came about as, you know, obviously they were completely devastated by the loss of their son, but also shocked that gambling suicides happen. Like They, they, did, they hadn't heard of gambling suicides. They didn't know that gambling comes with, with quite a significantly increased suicide rate gambling addiction so they didn't know that so they, they sort of clubbed together and they found other families who'd, who'd sadly gone through the same thing and lost lost loved ones to to gambling suicide so yeah that that was 2018 so they, they set the charity up and what the charity now does is um we campaign for legislative change essentially because the uk's gambling laws are, are very outdated and I'm, I'm sure we'll touch more on that later and we also uh, we also support other families that have, have been bereaved by gambling related suicide which is quite a unique thing really no one else is really doing that and we also raise awareness of the sort of dangers of, of gambling addiction so we, we've got an education program that we run for example and the big step is a campaign of gambling with lives which was started by James Grimes who's in recovery from gambling addiction, he started the big step when when he realised that during his recovery, he found football to be a huge trigger, essentially, because it, it's just been completely taken over by gambling companies, logos, mm-hmm. adverts everywhere. So he found that a real barrier to his recovery um, and sort of looked into it and unearthed really how, how the gambling industry used football as a tool to get to young men essentially young men and boys essentially because because they are you know they're going to be the next generation of profit makers so get in there plant the seed early and yeah and james sort of uncovered all this um and began the big step which is a campaign to kick all gambling advertising and sponsorship out of football and he also had the idea of going to football grounds walking to football grounds which which he which he started doing i think in 2019 there's been about 10 big steps since where a group of people will get, would get together and you know we've, we've had sort of 50 people on big steps before and, and walk a route to to different football clubs to try and engage with the with the actual football clubs themselves to tell them our stories essentially I'm, I'm also have my own experience of gambling harm and a lot of people who go on the walks do so we, we wanted to do these walks to go to the clubs and to, to speak to people at the clubs and you know, tell them, tell them our experiences, tell them our stories, try to get through to them that way. Um, we often don't have a huge deal of success engaging with the clubs themselves, especially the bigger clubs. You know, I think the last walk we did, yeah, there was three sure. clubs we called at and, and one responded and two didn't. So I wouldn't want to get the wrong one, but typically the, the bigger sort of clubs, we don't get a, a huge, yeah, we don't get huge levels of engagement from them. We do from 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 the smaller clubs essentially we do um the more sort of community focused clubs and probably clubs that haven't got gambling companies saying we'll pay you two million quid a year to plaster whatever it is all over the front of your kit which obviously is the bottom line essentially yeah um and you, and you sort of take a step back you sort of touch on some of the issues you've encountered with dealing with with, with certain clubs when trying to tackle this issue why is it that gambling companies love sport and love football in particular so much well because football is the the nation's most popular sport the premier league is probably one of the most well i think it is the, the most watched league on earth and football is particularly popular with young young men they're a demographic who are particularly at risk of addiction we're all you know anybody can get addicted to addictive products but there are some demographics who are more at risk than others you know your brain hasn't fully developed until you're 25 so you're more sort of open to risk-taking behaviors you might have more disposable income if, you, if you're younger so that you know they're particularly at risk to becoming addicted so the gambling industry have sort of 
implanted themselves in football in a, in a sense and just taken it over and they use it as a vessel to to just to generate more customers essentially who will who will generate profit for them in the in the future or now and because of the way that the the gambling industry operates they make about 14 billion pounds a year in the UK profit gross profit wow. um because of the way they operate the online online gambling which is where a lot of gambling and the most harmful gambling sort of takes place they take 86 percent of their profits from five percent of customers wow. so yeah so if, if you're in that five percent who's providing like a, a disproportionately large amount of their profits your lifespan as an addicted gambler isn't very long because you're either going to end up skint and in recovery uh you're either going to end up skint and possibly in prison or homeless or you're either going to end up skint and possibly dead either way you're not going to be spending more money so yeah the lifespan is quite short of of these of this kind of concentrated group of of revenue the knock-on effect for that is that by advertising of course advertising is important to every business but it comes even more important to gambling operators when they're essentially ruining they're like their highest spending customers and football is a really important revenue stream for them to to get access to this to these young young men like i say young and it's not it's obviously not only young men who watch football a lot of people do watch football men and women but it's that particular demographic that that they're sort of after as it were they're they're yeah they're they're, they're fertile ground for them wow um wow really opening that I mean, there will be people out there that, have, that possibly listening to this that mm. like to have a casual bet and gamble. Are there early warning signs that people perhaps don't see themselves that they're starting to become addictive? It's starting to become behavioural. You know, what should people be looking out for in themselves and possibly in loved ones close to them? Is that it's really it's really hard to to come up with anything because it is you know, gambling addiction is known as the um uh, the invisible addiction because. If you're drinking or you're you're taking drugs, there's you know there's only so much alcohol you can drink. But even after, you know, three beers, somebody could probably smell three beers in your breath, four or five beers, and you know, just becoming impaired in other ways, similar with with drugs. But you know, gambling, you could you could go nip to the toilet at work and spend two thousand pounds, and nobody would ever know. So it's hard to name a, a sort of certain symptom to look out for, but for the person gambling themselves, I suppose that there are sort of traits like going back to it when, when they don't want to, if that makes sense, like being almost dragged in against their will, you know, not enjoying it, spending more time than you'd sort of planned. These are, yeah, these are signs that show that you could be sort of heading towards that way. And gambling, it's sort of important to understand that there's there's sort of different products within gambling. So when, when I say products like betting on a horse race is it's like that's a gambling mm-hmm. product like a mm-hmm. like a somebody to win a horse race or bingo or whatever and then there's, there's some products that are less dangerous if that makes sense so like national mm-hmm. lottery bingo horse racing you know i would say that these are sort of to one end of the scale where people do get addicted to these things but there's things that people get addicted to more if that makes sense for example you look at football betting like in play betting whereas you know 20 years ago that you could probably just bet on win lose draw maybe the score now you know you can bet on anything next throw it next corner and the result of that is you know you're watching wolves man united last night and you've got your money on first corner man united and they win the corner it's five minutes into the game so it's settled very quickly so then the chances are you you're going to go again. on again yeah and, and it's sort of it's transformed um gambling what was once a sort of relatively benign activity you go to the shop and you put your bet on win lose draw and you go home and you watch the game or you go to the pub and watch your game and you've got to wait two hours for it to for the result to happen mm-hmm. now it's very it's a lot quicker which and the, these sort of characteristics drive addiction essentially so yeah there's things like in play betting but then also things like online slots and casino games these are the mm-hmm. some of the worst sort of products there are out there um Gambling, gambling industry makes a lot of product uh, profit from them, and you see an increasing number of adverts for those types of products, or even when you're sitting and watching sport. Exactly, yeah. So, and these are, you know, these are you're, you're playing 
you're playing an algorithm here. Like you're not going to beat an algorithm, and you can play these. Obviously, they don't rely on a football game or a rugby game or whatever taking place. So you can play them whenever you want. Four o'clock on a Monday morning, you can be playing online slots on your phone. And you're right, they are advertised a lot now. You often get or you will get sort of cross-sold, for example. So let's say you're 18, 17, 18, and you you love football and your favourite team is sponsored by a gambling company. So that a sort of regular journey would be like, Oh, okay, so I trust this company because they sponsor my team and there's a bit of, you know, they're a bit of a household name. Couldn't be anything bad because, you know, they're they're on the front of a football show. I love football, I love my team, so mm-hmm. I associate this with the same thing. Um, you might sign up because you see a free five pound sports bet or whatever. And once you're in the sort of system, once you're once your data's in there, you know, once you're you've signed up and you've you're verified, yeah, they've got your your name, age, sex, etc. They're basically going to start trying to cross sell you ten free spins in the casino and move you over to these to these um to these products that are even more addictive and dangerous than than sports betting. And yeah, just to clarify, that's not to say sports betting isn't dangerous or addictive because it is very much is so. But there are there are things that are just sort of designed purely to 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 be addictive it's almost like a gateway product and it's, it's their front of shop isn't it the sweets they show you to bring you in, in it can be yeah, yeah exactly yeah so it's like the hook yeah and and it's most gambling habits you see like revolve around football in some way uh, i know there's a few as you touched upon as i there's a keith lemon one that sticks out for sky casino or something but most of the most of the football ones you see are really they're social aren't they they're, they're about building uh, building gambling into like the match day experience like you go to the pub with your mates and you'll sit around putting a bet on and yeah things like that yeah we'll move on to the premier league and some of the changes that they are making slowly and small changes mm-hmm. but you turn on your television and before you even look at those advertising boardings or or, or sleeve patches in some leagues you know front of sh- front of shirt you know in recent years you've had the likes of daffa bet hollywood bets um which obviously when we look at the ivan tony incident raises its own moral questions as well. It likes its stake, win 88, SBO top.net, betting company, aren't they? Uh, Funny yeah. 88, sports yeah. debt, IO, Betway. <laughs> the list is literally endless. And if you go through the lower leagues, it's no different there. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, Tom, but West Ham have released um, a shirt this year that's entirely whited out, um, sort of like a throwback. Um, but I don't know if you've seen it, you're nodding, so it's just you have. There's, there's one thing that's definitely not white on that shirt um, yeah. and, and and sticks out even more in bright, well, not bright, but in big, bold words. And that's the uh, the betting sponsors still take central place, which it just seems crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, it really is, isn't it? I think everybody can can agree. I mean, I think I think personally, a, a gambling sponsor sort of cheapens and, and uh, says something about, I don't want to say the club because a lot of them take them and including my club have in the past. I'm a Crystal Palace fan, but at the minute, Chelsea playing without the sponsor just looks so much better. You know, I think, yeah, a lot of people would would agree with that. I feel we're, we're I think we're a similar age, right? So I'm looking back to the sort of nineties and actually there are a few sort of iconic ones that, that I think did look good. Like, you know, the, the candy, uh, candy, your food and your electronics right yeah 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 uh crown or crown paints uh for liverpool um electronics jvc uh what it was man united's big one sharp view cam i can't it's hard to imagine somebody sitting here and talking to someone in in 20 years time saying oh you know that wa8 strip was great wasn't it there's a really vintage sponsor and actually a lot of the, the the gambling brands you 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 listed just there um, a lot of them are based in the Far East, and you wouldn't actually be able to gamble with. I was going to say, in there's the been UK. instances of some of them that just literally don't even exist in the UK, right? I'm thinking, yeah. of some, is it um, Aston Villa's shirt sponsor yeah, so, this year? And so, and yes, yeah, yeah, BK8. Anyone that has 88 in the name, 88 in, in Thai, I, I think is good luck. So any any shirt sponsor, any gambling um, operator that has 88, so WA8. Palace's old sponsor. Thank God we got rid of them. Um, Man bet. Uh, no, sorry. Fun. Fun bet. Eight eight. One of the, one of them had an eight eight somewhere. But as soon as you see an eight eight, yeah, that's a Far East gambling company. And what they do is they these companies are often licensed in somewhere like Macau, for example, or maybe um, possibly somewhere else in Southeast Asia. 
and they get licensed via a, a third party agency to then be able to have a uh, to sponsor teams in the in the Premier League. And they're not bothered about the English market or the, the British market, whatever, because we're actually quite small in comparison to the amount of people who are watching the Premier League in China. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, there, there was a good piece actually last year, maybe the year before in The Athletic by, by a guy, Joey Durso, one of their writers who looked into, yeah, all the shirt sponsors at the time. And so many of the, so many of the ones from the Far East, just they didn't have websites that you could access in the UK. And they were just literally using the Premier League as a, as a billboard to, to advertise to, to China where gambling is actually legal, but there's always ways to circumvent things. And I, and I guess there's some hypocrisy in the system now as well, because, you know, you, you, yourselves, you've campaigned for some of the changes that we have seen recently and are continuing to see things like your, uh, your yellow laces campaign, um, the petition that you organised to, you know, to help promote the removal of shirt sponsorships in the Premier League and things like that. But, you know, you still see it out there and even clubs that do acknowledge as an issue and, and leagues that acknowledge as an issue. I think it was the championship last week, a couple of weeks ago, they had a, a 16 year old come on and make his debut mm-hmm. at Middlesbrough, Finn Cartwright. And, yeah. he, he, you know, he wasn't allowed to have a Unibet sponsor on his shirt or the uh, Skybet championship sleeve sponsor. But on the billboards all around him, on every single teammate, on the training wear, on every single advert that popped up, better sponsors were just absolutely everywhere else. And it, it just, it screams of tokenism a little bit. Um, mm. It's great they're doing something. Don't get me wrong. The message is obviously getting across, but it does scream a little bit of tokenism. Yeah. And so did he, I hadn't seen that particular example, but I've I've seen a few in the past of 16 year olds, 17 year olds coming on to make the debut, but they just have the gambling branded top on, which is, yeah, they're advertising a product that they're, you know, they're legally not allowed to use. And then you've got the sort of, I would, go as far as to say it's like rank hypocrisy around um the Ivan Tony situation mm. where you know he's football hijacked essentially football hijacked his livelihood told him bet 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 and then actually he was given from from what I can understand of the amount he was gambling and actually he was then diagnosed with gambling disorder mm. which is a mental health condition mm. um yeah he's been given this this mental health condition by his livelihood, essentially, because they've been hijacked by by gambling, and then yeah, you know, the FA's response is stop you from working for mm. however however long you got in the end. Was it six months or eight months or something like that? You reduced slightly on appeal, wasn't it? But yeah, I think it's January mm. until he can start. That's right. Yeah, which is yeah. It's... And you're right. This is a you know this is a, a young man who's you know, yeah from the age of sixteen when he burst through and then went inside for Newcastle, went inside for. Um, Northampton and a few other clubs. He's, right, there's, yeah. there's, there's pictures of him there winning player of the month, goal of the month and all of these awards that he sat there holding have got great big betting sponsors um, yeah. passed across them and a lot of the shirts he's wearing day in, day out. Um, yeah, and he's, you know, he's a he's a product of his environment as as we all are. Yeah, I thought that was, that was, yeah, that was rank hypocrisy, isn't it? It's just a yeah. it's, it's slightly crazy situation. And like you say, it's a hidden disease. So, you know, unfortunately, he's probably not alone. Yeah. Um, even you know, we've been playing footballers. He's, he's he's probably not alone, and in terms of the general population, he's certainly not alone. Are there any um, statistics out there in terms of you know how many people do fall to this addiction, or, and how many sadly do do lose their, their lose their battle as well? How big a issue yeah, so, is it? So um, there's always a lot of sort of debate around statistics and how how you measure them, but the sort of the lower end is about four hundred thousand, and the upper end is is about one point four four million. Wow. Um, so it's yeah, you know, it's, as with these things, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But even even if you were to take the lower end, which is which is what the sort of the pro the pro gambling lobby take the lower end, even four hundred thousand people is a hell of a lot of people, and you know it is a lot higher than that. But even four hundred thousand people is is a lot, right? Yeah. And there was there was a. Um, there was a Public Health England study out uh, that uh, estimated there are up to 496 uh, gambling-related suicides a year, and that's England alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were to, you know, factor in Wales, Northern Ireland, Scotland, it would be more than that. So, you know, you're, you're talking sort of at least one a day, um, if not more. Well, sure. in, in mm-hmm. all likelihood, more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a lot. So what have the response been so far from i guess from parliament in terms of legislation what changes have we started to see the laws that currently govern how the gambling industry has to operate were 
uh, written and drawn, well, they're drawn up in 2005 uh, and they were enacted in 2007. I think it's part of Tony Blair's, yeah, it was Tony Blair's government who drew them up because they wanted to essentially liberalise gambling and um, they wanted to have things like super casinos. Do you remember they were going to build like a super casino at Blackpool and in these yeah, sort of, rings in the, yeah, in these coastal towns that were a bit uh, deprived at the time, they, they wanted to build these super casinos as a way of, you know, increasing revenue and et cetera, et cetera. So before then, the only uh, gambling you could advertise uh, was the National Lottery, the football pools and bingo. So this is literally as recent as sort of like 2005. That was yeah, yeah, sort of yeah, three so, things you yeah, yeah. So essentially, what they yeah, what the, what that what that legislation did, the 2005 Gambling Act, was it just it just liberalised the entire marketplace, opened the floodgates, um, which led to like a, a huge increase in in advertising and marketing, obviously, which is you know what essentially one of the main things we're talking about here, right? Because sponsorship of a football team is advertising it is marketing so yeah that that was that was the beginning of a you know the beginning of the a big boom in gambling in the in the uk i, I suppose and if, if you think about what's changed technology wise since then um i think the first iphone came to market after that after that the the act passed the actual act itself makes more references to telephone gambling than internet gambling and telephone gambling being you'd call up the bookies and say can i put mm-hmm. i want the 410 at goodwood uh, uh yeah wingfield whatever i want to put this on so it's obviously hugely hugely out of date in 2019 i think but both parties when the, when there was the general election both parties pledged to review the the gambling act um so whoever yeah i mean conservatives won obviously but whoever won it would have been on the agenda and the Conservatives reviewed it. Um, it took, it was delayed quite a lot of times. Um, it started in 20, I think it was 2020 it started. And yeah, it, there's obviously COVID during that period. Um, there's been a lot of turmoil in government during that period. Lots of reshuffles, three prime ministers, lots of different secretaries of state because it falls currently, gambling falls under the responsibility of um, DCMS, Department for Culture, Media and Sport. Um, right. So, yeah, every time, you know, there's a new government or a new prime minister and shuffles, you sort of, it sort of starts again and somebody else comes in and they're in charge of the review and they, they want to get their head around it. And there's lobbying going on from the, the sort of pro-gambling side and from the pro-reform side. So it just, yeah, it took a real long time. In the meantime, so, yeah, at least the suicide a day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The people dragging their feet and yeah, people resigning and stuff. In the meantime, one person dies a day at least. Mm. So yeah, this, this year in April, um, they announced actually, so before the gambling act review announced its findings, we had the premier league come out, didn't we? The white paper, which is the result of the, the review of the gambling act, um, which is essentially like a plan for, the law, a plan for how they're going to change the law, but it's not the law. The law isn't changed yet. But it's, so it's like the place, like a suggest. Is that right? It's like a suggestion of this, yeah, this is what we would suggest you more, vote to implement, right? More, more or less, yeah. It's some sort of policy suggestions and things. So again, that was delayed a load of times. It finally came out in April this year, but about a month before it, um, Premier the Premier League voted in favour of a voluntary ban on front of shirt gambling sponsors. Uh, so that happened, I think, in March or may- maybe early April. Uh, which was which was a big move um, because it's the first time that either the Premier League or you know the FA or whatever the body who runs football has, has come out and essentially admitted that gambling adverts cause harm because what the industry lobbyists say is that there's there's no link between there's no link between um, uh, advertising and addiction which you know it's is I mean even just. For a layman like me, just it sounds laughable nonsense. I mean, it's not it's not funny. Yeah, it kind of is really when you've got people there who are spending 1.5 billion a year on advertising mm-hmm. and then saying, well, yeah, doing it for no it reason. Doesn't, doesn't impact anything. Um, so, yeah, that was why the Premier League voted to 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 take it to take gambling sponsors off the front of shirts. As you touched on earlier, it's from the 25, 26 season, isn't it? So. So it's a while away. A few reasons given for that. One of them being like we have to obviously let 
existing commercial partnerships run there. A couple of clubs have announced new partnerships with yeah. with gambling sponsors, which yeah, kind of think, well, you like, could have closed that door and said, yeah, exactly. there'll be no new 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 agreements signed, right? One hundred percent, yeah. But they're just yeah. So what if we had a Villa, didn't we? Chelsea, but there was a big backlash. Burnley as well, I think. Yeah, but Burnley. Chelsea had the backlash, didn't they? And, Chelsea had the backlash because uh, they were going to go with yes, it was Stake, yeah. Who um, who uh, you know, every gambling company operates on a basis of harm, but you know, I think Stake are Stake are one of the worst ones out there. Um, I mean, I don't yeah. throw any organisation under a bus, but just just for an, an educational piece around Stake, it's, correct me correct me if I'm wrong. That you're not saying anything, I guess. But my understanding, Stake will say they're not gambling because it's a way of placing your bets with cryptocurrency, which just sounds like the the, the worst of the worst to me. Yeah. Um, so so it's um they're they're like registered in, in Curacao in in the in um in the Caribbean, and yeah, they're just they're linked to a load of, of sort of nefarious things and they pay pay influencers to to gamble online. I think Drake was one of them. They paid Drake to, to sort of sit there doing um, $500,000 spins and stuff, which is just really, you know, really irresponsible, uh, really harmful. So, yeah, they're, they're sort of one of the worst of the worst. And, yeah. As you they're write, still on Everton's shirt, aren't they? They're still on Everton's um, shirt. Are they, they, uh, are they still at Watford as well? I know no, Watford I have gone to Mr. Q, haven't they? Which, whatever yeah, that is, but okay. Yeah, yeah, probably a gambling operator. But yeah, so I think Watford were the first first UK team to have them, I think. And then, yeah, then it was Everton. And then they tried it with Chelsea. And yeah, there was there was quite a big backlash, wasn't there? The, the, the Chelsea Supporters Trust really put their foot down and, it was good actually to see the club listening to its fans because yeah, football fans do have a voice. They they should have a voice. They do have a voice. And it was good in that instance to see to see the club sit back and listen to the to the fans. Uh, Mr. Q, I just giggled it. Uh, they are a locally based gambling company, so that, that's better, right? Yeah, I'm sure uh, they they still mm. cause a lot of harm in their absolutely in their business model. I mean, what are the other changes that you'd like to see implemented? Is I mean, I guess the 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 goal is just a complete blanket ban, to almost how it used to be. You know, the way tobacco products are treated, perhaps. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah, that's what we would like to see. I actually didn't get onto the white paper, so there was the bit, yeah, the voluntary bit in the Premier League, uh, but it's not going to it's not going to apply to uh sleeve sponsors to uh to billboards to league names to cup names to to a lot of things so it's a bit of a um yeah it's it's a bit of a cop out really but it's we do see it as important because yeah that they've yeah it's an acknowledgement of the harm that these adverts cause so we can then we've won the argument essentially we feel you've got the door open you yes, know i think exactly. and you yeah. now push yeah. the door but slightly ajar yeah yeah so that that happened that was the premier league agreed to that the white paper set out a few um a few things but a lot of them have been pushed to uh pushed into consultations so they're not law yet they're talking about things like um restricting state uh restricting stake limits on online games like like slots and casino games things like that they're talking about a, a a statutory levy was in there, a levy on the gambling industry's profits of around 1% to pay for education, research and treatment. But that's all gone out to consultation now. So that's going to take a while. And yeah, again, that's going to take a while and still person's dying. At least one person's dying every day. But, you know, that's going to take two, three, four years. But yeah, what, what we would like in football is, yeah, a complete ban on gambling advertising, full stop around everywhere but specifically in football because it's such a yeah it's such a key place for for the gambling industry to, to find those new future customers and future addicts so we would like it treated in the same way that tobacco is and you know that's not that's not to say that the people can't gamble or shouldn't gamble the same way that nobody's saying that people can't smoke we're just saying you know these are the these are the facts if you'd still want to do it, you know, I haven't seen a cigarette advert in 15 years, but I, I know where to buy them. If I, if I, if I want one, right. I don't need an advert to, to, to know what something is and to buy it. So yeah, we, we would like to see that. And it's, yeah, it's, it's part of the normalization process, isn't it? Like just seeing all these from a very young age, seeing mm-hmm. all these, um, seeing all these gambling brands. We, we run a, um, 
like I mentioned, we run an education program, which is which is preventative. So it's it's for sort of young people aged eleven to sixteen, and yeah, so it's ba- it's basically about giving them as much information as possible about the gambling industry, gambling products, uh, addiction, and so ho- hoping that they will you know they will know so they can then sort of protect themselves. But one of the things that my colleague who 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 runs it quite often asks is like, how many gambling companies can you can you name? And there was a time when I think it was a twelve-year-old could name like ten, which is uh, yeah. And, and there was a, and because of because of just listening like, football shirts, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Oh. They all love, yeah. He liked football. They all liked football. All the, all the boys. And there was there was um a bleak story I remember hearing that somebody had uh, a West Ham fan had bought their son or daughter a, a teddy bear and they they named the they asked the kid what they wanted to name the teddy bear. And the teddy bear said that way. Yeah, it's absolutely shocking, isn't it? And like you say, it just it goes into you know why the betting companies are there, normalising their brand, normalising yeah. the behaviour, the association, and and like you say, it's um before people's brains are fully fully evolved yeah. or, yeah. or able you, to you, like you say make that decision. Yeah, if you plant that seed in there, or you you can sort of an addiction like alters brain chemistry, so it's yeah, it's really quite sort of nefarious in many ways. Absolutely shocking. Absolutely shocking. What what other ways people can get involved? Can, you know, whether that's to reach out for help or whether they want to help um, help you sort of make a difference and, and try and try and affect some of this change. So we do. We're sort of quite often um, running running like a series of petitions, and they're really useful. If you go to our Twitter page, our Twitter handle is um, at Gamble with Lives. We couldn't have gambling with lives because it was too many characters. So at gamble with lives, you'll see on there any sort of um, you know any upcoming things that you can get involved with. But there's always some sort of petitions out there which are really good to to sign and to share. Um, in terms of the, yeah, the big step we haven't got a, a a walk planned at the minute. As I, I mentioned earlier, those those big walks and campaign marches that we do. But when we do, it will be, you know, we'll be talking about on social media and they're, they're free for anybody to come and join, even if they just want to join for an hour or, or meet at uh, one of the stadiums. Yeah, we encourage people to get involved in that. And I just can say as well, there's if there is, in terms of help for for gambling uh, addiction, the NHS is the, the best place to go. There's, there's a handful of NHS clinics now that the, the treatment is um, evidence-based and it's free, but there's also a new resource called Chapter One, and the website, the, the address for that is chapter-one.org, and that's a new resource that's got loads of really useful information about things that we were talking about earlier, like how how to spot if somebody might have a uh, gambling disorder or if somebody might be being harmed by gambling. It's got information for sort of friends and family on how how to have that conversation with someone without sort of making it worse and how to stigmat and how to not stigmatize somebody um and it's got information about where you can get treatment and things depending on where you are but there's a load of really sort of useful information on that we'll make sure we share all of that underneath the uh, pod episode and also we'll be pretty keen to get involved in in the next walk that you set up as well and and try and drum up some support for that for you that would be great, yeah. When we um when we sort of get it confirmed, I can drop the details over to you. Just to finish on a lighter note, so uh, you mentioned your team earlier, Crystal yes. Palace. Yes. What are your hopes and aspirations for this season? Then? Uh, <laughs> hopes are we don't sell all our players, and aspirations. Uh, I hope if we do hang on to those players, we can not have a season that is just about not getting relegated, but. Yeah, that all hinges on hanging on to the players and giving Roy another year says to me we don't want to get relegated and that's what we're worried about and that's why Roy Roy and Ray are in the box seat because yeah. he's probably the, the least likely to get us relegated um, so hey maybe just a, 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 a nice we, we get a couple of big scalps at home every season we always ask uh, our guests this final question you're a Crystal Palace fan so if you, in terms of a combination, what's your favourite ever Crystal Palace shirt, and who would you put in that shirt? Who's your favourite ever Crystal Palace player that you would blend the two? So it can be any player from any era and any shirt. They can wear a shirt that they would have never, never worn. If that makes sense. Hmm. Um, I like 
Can I have a sort of a half uh, half cheating answer? Of course I, you can. I, I, I'll tell you what it is. So when you go to Selhurst Park and you walk through, is it, this is, have you been to Selhurst Park? Yes. Like a, yeah, you know, there's like a Sainsbury's and you can attach to the front and you walk through. The sort of dressing room, the changing rooms out the back, they've got they've got pictures of like big, big pictures of players from the club's history and the present. Um and you know, there's Andy Johnson there, Ian Wright, uh Spironi, um, Yedinak, Punchin, uh, and then Zaha is the last one. But he's got the he's got the kit from not last season but the season before. So the the sashes, the blue and red sashes. But all the best thing about this um, changing room is that there's no sponsors on any of the kits. They, mu- they must have been airbrushed out, but they've been airbrushed out really well. You should p- probably find it online if you Google it. So Zaha is there, in, and I love the colour, this red and white. I love the the, t- the tones of red and blue, sorry, not red and white. And it's the sash one, the one that did have the gold WA8, but it's, ta- it's taken off. And yeah, so it's going to have to be, for me, uh, Wilf in, in that in that kit, the sponsorless kit. Sponsorless version, very sponsorless important. Sponsorless version, yeah. And what a way to, um, yeah, to to curtail this particular interview. Uh, and very, very topical. Yeah, very fitting. And if we hopefully we'll see a lot more of those betting sponsorless shirts um, in the future. Fingers, fingers crossed. Really important conversation at Tom. And thanks ever so much for sharing that with us. Um, we'll share, as I said, we'll share all the details. So if anybody does want to reach out, anybody wants to get involved, they'll know where to find the big step and where to reach out um, to all of the various initiatives. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks for having me on. So there we go, guys. That was quite tough to record at times, quite enlightening. Um, yeah, makes you sort of think about it all again, really. And you, know, you can't really see any upside to to gambling and gambling sponsors being in the sport at all. Yeah, I think it's it's a really prevalent discussion we've had because betting sponsors has been a thorn in our sides as collectors and and you know people that admire football kits for a few years now. And it is rife, and it's so topical. I mean, just as we're recording this week, we've we've seen Ivan Tony speak about his problems with gambling, and it, it's crazy if anyone hasn't seen it or, or wants to listen to it because, of course, he's banned now for eight months from the FA. But where is the the help for these players and and the guidance and the support? Because Tony says he never had that. He's never had that in his professional career. He he didn't even realise he was breaking the rules in betting on the games he was playing in because he'd never been told. And he he didn't realise what he was doing is wrong. And he talks about kind of living month to month and paycheck to paycheck. And this is an England international footballer. It's crazy. And, 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 you know, like you've mentioned in that chat, they're everywhere around the game betting sponsors you see them on the on the sidelines on the on the advertising board you see them on the shirts on the on the shorts it, it's it's crazy and it is something i think needs to be addressed more closely i mean if ivan tony is missing out on going to the world cup due to gambling problems i mean that's at one end of the scale but then like you said there are people dying and going without food at the other who is benefiting from this yeah, it's it's hard to add much more, obviously, than what Tom's just said and what we said in the feature itself. The one thing I'd try and bring it back to as relevant to our pod as it can be, and it was brought up again, that, that West Ham shirt is one I'll always go back to. I think it's horrific. I really do. It's and and the the the, the Teddy name thing. Yeah, come on, man. You you know there are there are issues when that's happening, and mm. I, I I fail to believe anybody that listens to this podcast and listens to that feature will disagree that, as Tom just said, it needs to be away from football as quick as possible. I mean, the the, the problem is gambling just becomes so normal to everyone. I mean, I mean, look at just on sort of like Twitter with shirts and stuff. Look, I I know that some people listening to this might not have a problem with them. But we see things like raffles for shirts all the time. They're gambling. They're, that's exactly what they are. Pay two pound fifty, four quid, five quid. We've seen ten quid raffles before, and you could win this. They're 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 to a lesser extent, but the same thing really. They're kind of latching onto people's hope of getting something big for something little, and and it's just yeah. I, I don't know. I've 
maybe it's easy for me to sit here and say that because I've never really been a gambler myself because quite frankly I'm tight and the idea of giving over money and getting nothing back for it is is painful to me but yeah there's there's just so much proof I mean just to add to that as well the other day I was watching the football and I decided to count how many times I saw uh, a betting sponsor whether it be and I know it sounds ridiculous even just how many times you see it on a player's shirt how many times it's on a board how many boards are around the the edge of the pitch and it's it's the, the number's almost infinite it's 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 like it there is constantly uh, a betting company on screen at all times and then the the game finishes for for say half time and then guess what there's gambling adverts pretty much all the way through it it is a disgrace Every, everybody knows it and it, something needs to be done doesn't it yeah, it's, I mean, in terms of being on our TV screens, the irony of Pakistan taking that penalty um, when they smashed Chelsea, Tom. Yeah, the irony <laughs> of him stepping up to take that penalty. And he, he's looking at countless Betway um, sponsorship boards, who ironically are the company that tipped off the Gambling Commission about spot bets. It was Betway that that, that tipped off um, about Crazy, betting patterns. It? It's just, um, and it's, and yeah, and and I guess the the pit, bit that I really took out of that is the longer this goes on, and I know the, the clubs have voluntarily said that they're going to, you know, not have front of shirt sponsors in a few years' time. But the the longer this goes on, um, the statistics are there's there's one person, and it's mainly males, one person dying a day as a minimum, and that's the lower lower end of the estimates. But one person a day in the UK dying from a gambling addiction. It just just seems seems like it's too high a price to pay, really. I mean, again, it's so, I mean, without any way, shape or form trivialising this, but just to bring it to shirts again, the two players we've mentioned here, huge profile players in the Premier League have gambling addiction problems. Ivan Tony and Lucas Pakatar. Both of them have betting sponsors on the front of their shirts. Hollywood bet for Tony, betway for Pakatar. It's, it's not a big jump, is it? Yeah, we should probably point out the Pakatar case is slightly different in that it's his, a bit like, uh, I think it was Trippier, got done for betting because his family members bet on him moving clubs. The Pakatar allegations, I believe, around family members opening up online betting accounts and placing the absolute maximum stake they could on him picking up yellow cards in certain games. Um, so he didn't directly place the bets at this point. But um, yeah, it all ties into the same problem. Mm. Mm. yeah well not really a lot more we can say is there fuck it off <laughs> so moving away from that on a slightly light, lighter note let's 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 finish on a high mike what is your favorite shirt sponsor of all time oh that's a tough one i've got i've got a few um We've gone off script here as well for anybody who wonders why it might be. Uh, yeah, I was not expecting that. Yeah. Um, I think I could guess what you would pick, Mike. Oh, go on then. I I mean, one of these shirts is hanging up behind you, but I think you would go T Mobile just because the association with Bayern. No. You know, it is. I, I, do, I do like it a lot. I, I'm strange in that I think I prefer the T Mobile and T Home sponsors over the Opal sponsors, but that probably just because I'm so used to it and it's been there for so many years. Um, but I mean, if we're talking about actual full-on favourites, I I I think the Muller sponsor on the Villa shirt will always be one of my favourites. It mm. sticks out like a sore thumb, but somehow it works. It was it's the shirt on. Sorry, it's the sponsor on the shirt uh, from the the period I started supporting Aston Villa. It's hard for me to 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 look past that. There, there are some amazing sort of like iconic sponsors, but. I think your favourite's always one that just appeals to you a little bit more, really, isn't it? And that that the the Muller one's definitely up there. Mike, you've really hit the nail on the head there. I think dairy sponsors. We need to see more dairy sponsors. We saw them in the nineties <laughs> and we saw them in the noughties. So I've got a little quiz for the two of you. It is a thread we ran a while ago. I'm going to say the club, and I want the two of you to tell me what the dairy-based shirt sponsor was. How's that sound? I'll have a go. Give it a go. I, I can't. I, I, for anyone listening, I didn't do the thread on this one, so I'm not going to be very good at it. It's gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna be fastest finger first. Mike, I want you to nominate a milk-based product. Tom has to shout out when he thinks he's got the answer. Oh, uh, a milk-based product. 
what, this isn't the quiz. <laughs> what's the name of the milkshake? Fridge, fridge milkshake. You got to shout fridge. Fridge. <laughs> like it. Tom, can we just have a test fridge? Fridge. Okay. And likewise, Tom, I want you to come up with a dairy based or, you know, we can go, we can go with a dairy replacement product as well. If for those, you know, want to be equally inclusive for lactose intolerant, but can we come up with some sort of uh, product that Mike has to shout out? Can I also nominate an accent in which he has to say it? No. Don't see why not. Because <laughs> I want you to go Manchego. I am not doing it in that accent, but if you want me... So Manchego, is that all i got to say? I could have gone DOP Gorgonzola mozzarella or something, so that <laughs> I can go fridge and win. <laughs> okay, so here we go. It's fastest dairy product first. Can you name two football clubs that were sponsored by Parmalat? Fridge, Palmer, and Palmeiras. Palmer and Palmeiras. Excellent. I'll tell you what, we'll go for bonus points as well. A point each for any more clubs. <laughs> uh, I've got a, a, a vague memory that Marseille did for one. Wow. You, no bonus point for you, Mike, because you didn't shout out Manchego. I thought we were just going in Bridge. Gym. Oh, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. Are you going with Tom? Marseille. Marseille, yeah, anyone? Um, We'll move away from Parmalat. I know it's very bitter uh, and sour, some would say, being milk-based sponsor for (laughs) Parma fans. Uh, But other alternative answers that you had available to you were Boca Juniors, uh, with those crazy Montoya goalkeeper shirts, and also Benfica. Um, Some people's favourite Portuguese club. Next up, who can name Aston Villa's famous 90s-based milk sponsor? There you go. <laughs> Ooh, what are you going for, Mike? Uh, I'm going to go Muller. Muller is the correct <laughs> answer. In the... Oh God, I haven't got a year here. I'm going to go late 80s, early 90s. Uh, Jubilo Iwata over in Japan had a lovely Puma shirt with a... Manchego. Is it Nestle? It was Nestle. Well done, Mike. Oh. Taking... Taking a two or draw there. Next up, we have a glorious sponsor from Birmingham City in the 1980s. Oh, God. Mike, you should know this. Manchego. Fuck the blues. Oh, I'm afraid that over to you. Boob milk. Boob milk. You've uh, found the <laughs> photograph that we used of Sheen, but actually it's co-op milk. Um, Tom, so... Um, <laughs> that you're, wasn't you're... even a joke. I thought that's what it said. <laughs> Up next, we have got VFB Stuttgart's famous sponsor. Uh, fridge. Manchego. Oh, I think I heard fridge moments before I heard Manchego. Sudmilk. Sudmilk is the Milch. correct dairy-based product. Well done. That's a 3-2 lead, Tom. Right, final two. Let's go to Italy again, and we'll go to the early 90s Juventus team. Fridge. Fuck. Mm, don't know. Mm, don't know. That's uh, that's correct. A reminder, Mike, your uh, milk bay product is not fuck. It's Manchego. <laughs> so uh, uh, the final one to get some honour, and uh, we'll go to the Americas with uh, Nacaxa. Bridge groups. No choco milk. Choco milk. Well done, Mike. Where did that one come from? Uh, right. So that's uh, four three. Um, Tom, you're the winner of the day. You obviously uh, know your dairy based products. Well done. Always knew you were quite chilled when it came to that sort of thing. Mike must do better. Yeah, I'm a bit sour about that one. Calcium deficiencies over there. <laughs> good stuff. I always say good stuff. I noticed that when I listened back to, uh, I don't often listen back to the pod, but I did the other week. And I said good stuff like two or three times, which was ironic because I was listening to our pod and it was not, not necessarily good stuff <laughs> I was listening to. <laughs> but I think that wraps up this week, doesn't it? Uh, we was a bit of a roller coaster whistle stop show. We wanted to cover off, obviously, that very serious point. So um, I think it's important that most people reflect on that feature, and uh, hopefully, it's something we can take take forward. But all the helplines and things that we discussed in that feature will be shared under the thread of the pod. So if you need any help yourself, um, or you want to reach out for help for some a loved one or somebody else you know, then hopefully you can find some of the guidance and places to go and. Um, some of the tips to help to um, to, to avoid or to, to try and battle the uh, gambling addiction. Mike, what have we got coming up in the next week or two? What have we got? 
That's a good question. We got we got loads in the bank now, haven't we? So we got a really interesting story actually with Lee Ralph, who is a professional goalkeeper. I think it's it's hard to sum that one up. You, it's definitely a, you need to listen to hear the full story on that one. But that one's going to be really interesting. And we've also got uh, um what would you call it? A, a throwback to an old episode, really, because we're revisiting Admiral. Um, so we've did Admiral of old, and now we're going to be doing Admiral of new. So yeah, a couple of good things to look forward to, plus plenty, plenty more. Uh, we've also got our giveaway for the shirt that uh, Tom can't pronounce. What they call it again, Tom? Manila. <laughs> Manila. Just going with Manila this time. Did you like how well I edited the last episode so it didn't sound like you had to repeat it 15 times? Yes, it's excellent editing. Kulitz is in the post. Excellent, excellent. But no, we've got a giveaway as well for an excellent Manila away shirt, which closes on, I think it closes the day this pod goes out. So the 22nd of August. So get in there fast for that. But uh, in the meantime, we'll see you all again in a few days. Should we do this in a few days? I reckon we should. Why not? Good stuff. See you all. Bye. Oh, no. Shit. That's not how we end the show. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, it's been a long day today. Um, Scott's not around to tease. Yeah, it's been a bit dry, hasn't it? Anyway. (laughs) Fuck you. It's all over. (laughs) It is now. It is now. (laughs) 